Lauren for me, please. Welcome to New Life Midtown, 11 a.m. service. It's great to have you guys in the house this morning. Everyone's looking good, handsome, beautiful, spry, alert, strong. It's a spry, yeah, spry is a good word for the house today. It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Um, I am going to both greet, celebrate, and pray over the moms here in a minute, but I have a couple of, I would just want to reiterate, I want to punctuate a couple of things that Lauren said. Um, I'm so proud of you guys for showing up for yesterday's outreach. Thank you so much. Um, Lauren and I are dreaming up more and more opportunities for us to get involved at MAN, both inside the classrooms as well as beautifying the landscape and making that place just just looks so attractive. And um, I was explaining to my children yesterday, actually, like why we went out and why we did an outreach at the school. So it was an awesome opportunity for us to talk about school districts and um, joining the mission of God in other school districts that maybe are not as resourced as certain school districts in the city. And how we get to be the church, not just within the walls of the service, but we get to be the church within our community. And if you recall, for those of you who've been a part of New Life Midtown at the beginning of the year, I said we have three strategic objectives that we're going to focus our time, our energy, and our resources on. And one of those is partnering with local schools. And we've actually been a ministry partner to Man Middle School for the past three years. And so because of COVID, we were actually limited in what we were able to do in 2020 and in 2021. So this is really one of the first opportunities that we've had as a church to be on the campus and to be a ministry presence. And I'm just telling you right now that we're just getting started. Right, So I want to ask you to pray with me for Man Middle School, for the teachers. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I had a meeting with Stu Davis, who is the director of Cause I Love You. And he said the two greatest needs in Colorado Springs, number one, affordable housing, and number two, education. Education. So there's not much that we can do about affordable housing, but there's a lot that we can do to keep teachers. And one of the things that Stu was saying is that little things like notes and gifts and care packages and doing things to let them know you are not alone in this season. They are going through one of the toughest, darkest nights of the soul that, that, that most uh, jobs are facing right now. Teachers are facing it uh, the worst. And so we want the church to come alongside of all of those that are staff members in our local schools and say, we're with you. We got you. We're encouraging you. So again, thank you for doing that. Uh, the second, I want to talk about our children's ministry, and I'm going to ask for a huge favor. And that is for the next four weeks, I'm going to ask for you not to tune me out. <laughs> like, what is that? It's, it's, it's a serious request because for the next four weeks, I'm going to talk about uh, being recruited for our children's ministry. Now, I'm looking around the room, and there are a handful of you who've been a part of the children's ministry for years, and I cannot thank you enough for your time, for your energy, for the talents and the creativity uh, that you bring into the ministry classroom. I have a couple of statistics I'm going to show you here in a minute to tee all of this up, but one of the things I want to say to you as a church and I'm going to do this, you guys, without being manipulative and without being coercive. My heart is to impart a greater vision inside of us to recognize and realize how important ministry to the next generation is. In fact, if we do not get the hearts of our kids, 
if we do not take seriously our responsibility to steward the faith and pass the faith on to future generations, and I need you to think about this, it ends with your generation, right? And if the gospel ends with your generation, whatever generation you identify with, then an entire generation is starting over from scratch, right? And kind of the the strategic thought of heaven and the strategic thought of God actually is that every generation starts further ahead and further along than the previous generation. And the only reason why that doesn't happen is if current generations are forfeiting our God-given right and responsibility to hand the faith off to the next generation at a younger age. All right, so I want you to take a look at a couple of statistics with me that I just became aware of that are kind of blowing my mind in a lot of ways. Let's take a look at the first one here. By age two, according to physicians, children begin to absorb values as early as two years old. That's amazing. And what it does for me, now, let me just say this. Everything that we do is supplementing what's happening in the families. We are not a substitute for what is happening in the families. In a perfect world, the church is coming alongside families, parents, whatever the makeup of that family is, to reinforce, to reiterate, to strengthen and to supplement what is already happening in the family. That's that's in a perfect world. Now, we don't live in a perfect world, right? And what I can tell you now is that as we continue to expand and as God continues to invite people into this spiritual community who maybe didn't have the luxury of growing up in a Christian home, here's what we're going to find. We're going to find that our children's ministry is going to become perhaps one of the most important ministries of this church to reach people in our community. And I'd like for you to imagine this for a second. It's actually a scary thought to imagine, that there are actually people that are in our community that this one hour of the week might be the safest hour of a child's week. That this hour where they're with our, our, our children's workers and our serve team may be the only hour of the week where they're seen, where they're recognized, where they're noticed, where they're affirmed, where they're celebrated. It may be the only hour of the week where their name is spoken in a, in a manner of affection and grace. And it may be the only hour of the week where someone is pouring goodness into their life. And I'm not trying to hype this up. I'm not trying to exaggerate this. Friends, this is difficult for us to imagine, but that is the reality of some of the children living not very far from where we're standing physically in proximity to us. And what it does for me is it tells me that every one of you who have been holding a baby or, or being patient and gracious with a toddler who's dropped off in one of our classes, that there are values of acceptance and belonging and identity and significance that are being translated to them even at that age. Look at the next statistic here. By age nine, most children have their spiritual foundation in place. And that kind of freaks me out a little bit because my twin boys are eight. (laughs) And they turn nine in October. And it just gets me going, God, have I done enough? Have I put enough inside of them? Have I been intentional enough? Have I been consistent enough? Have I put inside of them the things that need to be in their foundation to allow them to go deep and wide and far and long in God? Look at age 12. At age 12... A majority of Americans make a lasting determination about the personal significance of who Christ is, the personal significance of his death and his resurrection. Just by show of hands, I'm just curious, how many of you in this room made a decision for Christ by age 12 or younger? By age 12 or younger. Wow, look at that. 
I mean, that's probably 70%, if not 80% of the people in this room made a decision for Christ. And what that tells me is this, two things, that there is a window of opportunity that we have in the lives of children, that when they're 14 years old or younger, that we have a unique opportunity to put the fingerprints of God and the seeds of God's gospel deep into the bedrock of their lives. Some of this is just logistical, right? So I was talking to my kids last night and I was saying, Milan, you're gonna be a freshman next year and I've got four years left with you, four. And within those four years, you're gonna, you're gonna be involved in extracurricular activities. You're gonna start driving. Your friendship base is gonna get stronger. You're gonna be involved in more opportunities outside of this home. And by just the sheer nature of life and the logistics of life, our closeness And the frequency that I have to impart in your life, it's going to get less and less. That's just the sheer nature of the way life is designed. And the same thing happens with kids. We have a unique opportunity, you guys, to get them, to put the goodness of the kingdom inside of their lives before they turn 14 years old. And this, again, this is not a a guilt trip. This is part of every local church's responsibility to come alongside parents and to help minister to the next generation. Okay, last step. 85% of people who make a decision for Christ do so between the ages of four and 14. 85%. And you guys pretty much fleshed out that statistic when I asked you to raise your hand. What it tells me is that if you made a decision for Christ outside of 14 years old, you're a miracle. Like you're, you're beating the odds. Like you're in the minority. You're in the minority. Now listen, nobody's beyond the scope of God's goodness or his grace or his hand. But just looking at sheer numbers, we want to be people who are faithful with the window of opportunity that are before us, right? So again, I'm asking, please don't tune me out for the next four weeks. I'm I'm going to be working with our children's ministry team to... Remind and reiterate us of the value of what we're doing. And it's a thankless job, I'll be honest with you. It's a thankless job, but it's perhaps one of the most important jobs that we have that's happening here at New Life Midtown. So at the end of the service, right through those double doors out there where the water fountain is, Amelia Loving is going to be out there. My big ask to you is that you would just be open. And say, Lord, do you want me to get involved in any way as it relates to life-giving ministry, legacy ministry, generational ministry to our kids from the fifth grade all the way down to infants? Now, here's my last thought. Christy and I have both been involved in children's ministry for years. Uh, We've both been children's pastors. We've both been in the trenches of children's ministry. And here's what we've discovered. There's something very unique about the one-year benchmark. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But we have found that a lot of people end up trying for six months, maybe even trying a year. And then after that, they said, I've done my due. I've I've paid my dues. And uh, I I don't want anything to do with kids anymore. And and here's my appeal. There's something about busting through that one-year barrier. That if you can get past that one-year benchmark, kind of the anxiety and the panic go away. You get to know kids. You become familiar with them. They become familiar with you. Your heart opens up. Their heart opens up. You find your gifts being activated in a new way. It becomes fun. You begin to see the fruit of your labor. And for those of you who've been involved with kids in any capacity, can any of you attest that there's something about that one-year barrier? If you can make it through that, there's a new grace that flows. Is there anybody that, that attests with that? Yeah, awesome. So, guys, please pray 
And, and when you are praying about joining our children's ministry in any capacity, I want you to think about being a part of it for longer than a year. I know that's huge. Like this is the kind of stuff that shrinks churches, you guys, right? <laughs> I am not growing my church by asking you to serve our children's ministry for longer than a year. Um, but I do believe it'll do something great in you and it'll do something great in our kids. All right, so thanks for letting me say all of that. Now, let's talk about moms here for a second. For all of you in the room, if you're a mom, uh, can we just give a strong hand clap to all of the moms in the house today? We love you, we celebrate you, and we stand alongside of you. We support you in your beautiful and unique calling to be a mother in whatever capacity you find that, whether that's biological mom, foster mom, whether you've adopted kids into your family or you find yourself as a spiritual mom, we say that's beautiful and it's good and it's necessary in the world and there is no job on the planet like being a mom. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you and we pray today's filled with joy. We pray today that you're just showered. We pray, I pray that, that, that husbands and dads and children bend over backwards to do all the dirty dishes and laundry around the house. Can I get an amen right now? And yeah, all the guys are like frowning at me right now. Do the right thing, guys. Do the right thing, okay? Do the right thing. Yeah, one day. Come on, good food. Do it upright. Yeah, that's right, every day. Um, so let me also address something here as a spiritual community that has become more real to me over the past several years. I was actually reflecting on this earlier this morning, and I don't even remember Mother's Day as a kid or a teenager in church. For whatever reason, the churches that I was a part of, they never made a real big deal about it. But we're building something unique as a spiritual family in this house, which means that we don't just kind of give one-offs and nods to, you know, kind of cute little moments that happen in the calendar. We recognize that there's real pain that sometimes travels right alongside real joy. And today happens to be one of those days, right? Mother's Day, it's a mixed bag for a lot of people. It's complex. And for some people, Christy alluded to this earlier, it can be very, very challenging. It can be very painful. So for some of us in the room, we may not have had a good relationship with our mom. For some of us in the room here today or watching online, uh, we may have had a mom who passed away prematurely. Some of us in this room actually are probably estranged from our moms as we speak. And then on the flip side, we actually in this room today, we have some moms who maybe have been fighting and struggling for years to become fertile and to conceive. And for whatever reason, that has not been possible. And today's a day of pain. For there, for there are some of us in the room who've lost children, whether in the womb or even outside of the womb. And today's a day that's very painful. And what I would like to do is I'd like to hold all of these stories together. And I'd like to bring them into the hands of a very big God. And that's that the Holy Spirit would draw near and that the Holy Spirit would help those who are celebrating celebrate to the fullest. And I am also gonna pray that the Holy Spirit would help those who are grieving grieve in God and that the Holy Spirit would comfort and be near. And I also, I felt this in first service and I didn't say it, but I think there's something really unique. And this is the beauty of belonging to a church, that if you're single here and you're looking around and going, well, this doesn't really apply to me. It applies to you because you belong to this family. And it belongs and it, it applies to you because the more that we can learn to become tender and sensitive to the stories that people are bringing into this house, the more we mature as sons and daughters and as brothers and sisters. And it's an opportunity for us to care and to pray and to take someone out and to sit with them and to lean in. 
So can you pray with me and can I pray for you as we pray for all the families that are here in this room today? Holy Spirit of the living God, we know that you're here right now. And I can't imagine, I can't even imagine standing up here without the knowledge and the security that you are here, Spirit. I thank you that today that there are moms, that today is a day full of joy. It's it's a day full of excitement and it's a day full of great gratitude. And Lord, I I just affirm that. And Lord, I say for all the moms who fit that bill, it's fitting. It's just, it's so appropriate that we stop and we recognize the beauty and the unique calling of motherhood in the earth. And Father, I pray that they feel that deep, deep, deep inside the core of their being. Lord, even like children's ministry, being a mom can sometimes be a job and a calling that is loaded with sacrifice. And sometimes, many times, that sacrifice is not really seen for what it is. But this day, Lord, I pray that all of our beautiful mothers and grandmothers in the room, that they would feel deeply seen and deeply appreciated. And Father, I pray for all of those that are in the room who are grieving the loss of a mother or grieving, Lord, the brokenness of a relationship with a mom. And Father, I pray for your healing and I pray for reconciliation. May the grace of forgiveness fill our hearts. And Father, may tenderness touch us once again. And Father, I pray that in you there is no situation that is impossible. And so, Father, I pray for reconciliation and I pray for restoration. And Lord, for my precious sisters that are in the room today that are grieving because today is a day of sorrow and struggle. It's a day of pain because of loss, because of injustice and confusion. Father, I pray that you would be nearer today than you've ever been, that you would heal the deepest parts of our hearts, that you would bring grace and that you would bring comfort And Father God, that you would teach every single one of us who belong to this spiritual family called New Life Midtown and who belong to the church at large, that you would teach us how to be tender, teach us how to be attentive, teach us how to be patient, teach us how to be aware. And Lord, teach us how to be good friends and good family members with those who are in our community, Lord, who are going through difficult times. And we pray all of these things by the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for, thanks for letting us go there. All right, I've got a very, very simple word for you today, and I want to jump right in for, um, for the lack of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of bypass a lot of anecdotes and a lot of narratives. I'm going to just jump right in because I want to talk with you today about how the Holy Spirit very simply is at work to reveal our adoption to us. How the Holy Spirit is at work to bring us into the actual fellowship that exists between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's possible to be in God and to be a Christian and to be a churchgoer. It's possible to be kind of swim in the waters of Christianity for years. And by years, I mean it's even possible to be a part of this for decades and to never experience the security that comes from knowing that you're a beloved son and daughter of God himself. And that breaks my heart. And before we get into these particular ways that I think the Holy Spirit's at work in our adoption and our identity, I want to talk for a few minutes to set the stage about how The Holy Spirit is so important at revealing to our being spiritual truths. 
and spiritual dynamics. And so I want to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Very, very important spiritual truths here. That if we can lay a hold of these, I, I really believe they have the potential to change the entire trajectory and the entire fabric of our Christian life. That's how important this is. So look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. Paul says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and what no human mind has even conceived. Now let's pause right there because he's going to drop a bomb on us. He's going to drop something really powerful, an important spiritual principle. But I want you to look at this phrase where he says, what I'm about to tell you about God and what I'm about to reveal to you about what's available to you, no human mind has ever even conceived it. Now, just think about this. You think about Elon Musk. You think about people that are making it like we're, we're taking trips in a day to outer space. Somebody imagined that. Somebody conceived that in their imagination. And then they reverse engineered ways for us to go into outer space. What was before humanly impossible now is happening and it's available to people if you have the right amount of money. Artificial intelligence, like somebody conceived these things in their imagination. Like you look at what's being done on the movie screens and in films. And here's the thing that actually kind of concerns me is that somebody can put that on a screen. It means that they imagined it. And if they imagined it, it means that we're probably not too far away from imagination becoming reality. All that being said is that the human mind is brilliant. And yet, it should alert us to this. Paul's about to drop a nugget on us that says that I'm about to give you something that not even the brilliance and the ingenuity and the creativity of your human mind can even fathom. And what is that? Let's see. It says... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared things for you and for me that your mind cannot even remotely conceptualize. Guys, that's exciting. That's an amazing promise. So however old you are, if you think that you have plumbed the depths of what is possible and available in God, I've got bad news and good news for you. The bad news is you're wrong. And the good news is you're wrong. There is so much more in God that is available for those who love him. Let's look at the next verse. It says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. This is amazing. Right, Paul is giving us a massive key here. He is saying that God has prepared things for you that you cannot even imagine. And the way that you tap into understanding what those things are, are by the spirit of God, right? So the Holy Spirit and his role in illuminating and revealing to us what is available in God is absolutely crucial to live the Christian life in the way that God has designed us to live the Christian life. I want to keep reading right here. It gets even better. Keeps on in verse 10. He says, the spirit searches all things. The spirit even searches the deep things of God. 
I've got a sneaky suspicion that we haven't even touched the deep things yet, right? We're swimming in shallow waters. If you think about kind of the trajectory of how the church has gone over the past several decades, it seems as if we keep going up into more and more shallow waters. And yet God is saying that there are deep things that I have for you, deep things that I have for your calling, deep things that I have for your spiritual gifts, for your ministry in the earth, deep things that I have about who I am that I so want you to discover and I so want you to know about who I am. Look at the next verse, verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit that is within that person? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Let me pause. God has something that he is thinking about for everything that concerns your life. Another way of saying that is, there is a wisdom of God for everything that concerns you. Whatever that is, there is a wisdom for it. How many of you have ever lost something that was valuable, right? How many of you have ever prayed when you lost that thing that God would help you find it? How many of you, when you prayed not too long after, there was just this, oh, aha moment, and you found yourself at the right place at the right time, or you remembered where you lost it. Listen, that's not coincidental. The reason I bring that up is to say, there is nothing so small in your life that doesn't concern God. And he has, and he has a wisdom and a thought about literally everything that concerns your life. Everything. And so the invitation here is, whatever you're running up against that is confusing you or frustrating you or intimidating you or disorienting you, lean into God and say, God, what is your wisdom for this? Lord, what is your thought about this? What is your thought into this? What insight do you have into this that I need to understand that's gonna help me be fruitful and help me be flourishing within this area of my life? All right, so look, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, here's the kicker in verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. So when you said yes to Christ, when you repented of your sin, when you confessed Christ Jesus as Lord, when you welcomed the Holy Spirit into your life, you didn't receive the spirit of the world. In fact, there should be things that are happening inside of you that are dissonant with the spirit of the world. Are you tracking with me? Like when you see things or when you hear things that are not in alignment with truth, there should be something in your spirit, man, that is actually at friction with the spirit of the world. And you may not be able to understand it, You may not be able to fully rationalize it, articulate it, but when you see something or hear something that is opposed to the life and the way of God and the culture of God's kingdom, something inside of you should be at at dis-ease. You can say, I can't explain this, but something inside of me is vexed or grieved at this. This is not right. Right, And it seems like as we look at the state of our nation or the state of the church, it seems like we have more and more opportunities to be at dis-ease ease because you've not received the spirit of the world. But who have you received, church? You have received the spirit who is from God. Now, why have you received the spirit who's from God? Look at the next clause right here. 
Why have you received the Holy Spirit? Amongst many things. Amongst many things. You and I have received the Holy Spirit so that we may understand what has been freely given to us in God. There have been things that have been given to you that you have access to in God that you don't even have any shred of understanding about. Now, I don't know if that frustrates you. or I don't know if that intimidates you. But I say that statement to motivate you. I say that statement to say that there is so much more in God that is available to us to explore, to experience, and to understand. Let me say it like this. If you're bored in God, or if you're bored in church life or church community, it's not because there is not a ton of great stuff in God that is not available to you. Are you hearing me today? Right? So let's, this last time, this verse right here. The Spirit has been given to you so that you may understand what has been freely given us. And the implication of that is that without the Spirit, there is a lot that's been given to us that we can, that we can never understand. Right? And to the degree that you and I understand what has been given to us in God, to that degree can we partner with it. Are you hearing me? To that degree to, the degree, to the degree you see it, you can agree with it. And to the degree that you agree with it, you can get an intentional, conscious partnership with the will of God in your life. Guys, listen, this is the way that you partner with God in your growth and in your development. This is the way. You, you, can, you can agree with the will of God for the things that he wants to do in your maturity and in your direction in life. Look at another verse right here in Ephesians chapter 1. Guys, I'm giving you some really incredible spiritual principles and keys. Whether you re- and you, you just can't see it right now. You just can't see it. And because you can't, you can't understand it. And I can't understand it without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm kind of half-teasing, but I'm actually, I'm actually also half-telling the truth. Right? And the dangerous deception comes when we assume that we do fully understand or know all that is available to us in God. Because you and I cannot understand spiritual truths and spiritual principles without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible, right? So look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll begin here at verse 16. Paul says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you every time I remember you in my prayers. And then in verse 17, he says, I keep asking. Everybody say, keep asking. And what do you hear in that? Like, do you hear a one and done? It's not a one-off. Like, Paul is carrying the church of Ephesus in his spirit. And he is saying that there's something that I'm asking for that's so important that you understand and that you walk in that I'm not only going to ask once, I'm going to ask for it over and over and over and over and over and over again because it's that important. And what is it? He says, I keep asking that the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which tells me that if Paul keeps asking that God give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, it tells me that we just don't automatically have it. Are you hearing me today? I keep asking, God, please give them revelation. 
And just because you've had a revelation of one thing in one moment or one season in your life doesn't mean that you have continued revelation, right? You need continued and continual and constant revelation for every new season and every new challenge that you're walking into. You need new revelation, new understanding. You ever been studying something and you don't know when it happened, but there was something somewhere along the way and it just clicked. It just clicked. Uh, For those of you who play musical instruments, there comes a time with whatever musical instrument you play, from the keys to the drums, you're just going through the rudiments. It's just rudiments, it's just scales, it's just boring, it's monotonous, it's repetition, and over and over and over, and then something happens somewhere along the way, and something clicks. And when it clicks, you're no longer having to think about it in the way that you were doing when you were exercising those repetitious scales over and over and over again. It becomes revelation. It becomes, it's instinctual. It becomes habitual. There's a, there's a dimension in God where revelation comes and things that didn't make sense before, you know them. You know them deep inside of you. And, and you live them out now in every situation, in every circumstance, with every person you interact with, because revelation has now moved to a place where it has changed your life. Are you with me today, guys? Right? And this is what Paul is praying. He says, I keep asking. I keep asking that this reality of what's available in God become a reality for you, that God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Look at the next clause. Why? Why is Paul asking so adamantly that you and I have the spirit of revelation? So that we may know him better. What's interesting to me is Paul is not saying, I'm praying that you guys have revelation so that you understand doctrine. He's not saying, I pray that you have revelation so that you understand deep theological scholarly concepts that can blow people's mind in a debate or an argument. He's not asking for that. He is saying, I pray that there's something that is unlocked and opened up and ripped off of your spiritual being so that the totality of who you are is engulfed in relational love and you know the God of the ages like you know your own breath. That's what he's saying. He's saying that's what the Christian life is, that you know God in that way, right? Listen, we can, we can read the scriptures, and we should. And we can come to church services, and we should. And we can join table groups and go on mission trips and come to the table, and we can sing songs, and we can give money, and we can do all of these things devoid of knowing the heart of God. Right? Right? I believe that we can do all of these things and that all of these things are actually the heart and the spirit of these things are designed to help us know God more. But without the spirit of revelation that only comes by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can miss God in all of these things. But I said this, I'm going to try to say it like I said it in the first service. We can read the word without the spirit of the word. And if we read the word of God without the spirit of God, we might miss the mind of God. Right? So in a perfect world, the way that God has designed this, 
that he wants us to read the word of God with the spirit of God so that we can understand the mind of God. But you cannot understand the mind of God without the spirit of God, no matter how many times you read this. You need the spirit of God who reveals to you the heart of God and the mind of God. Okay, so let's talk about for a few minutes here how the Spirit is at work in our adoption. Because listen, this is, this is the starting point. This is, you don't, this is the starting point. This is the fundamental square one to all of life in God. Is understanding by revelation in such a way that it convicts, controls, and compels every area of your life that you have been adopted into the family of God. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5. And you cannot hear this enough. You just cannot. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, For he chose us in him. We're going to stop right there. I've got, I've got this kind of... Uh, but the points are broken down into two words. Uh, and they're broken up in I's and A's. So the first word very simply is, The Spirit is at work in our inclusion. And by inclusion, I mean by our adoption. The Spirit is at work revealing to you that you have been adopted into a family, which means you're not an outsider. You don't have to fight your way in. And I know this might strike a nerve with some of us because, guys, we, we, live, in a, we live in a crazy jacked up world, right, where we're constantly trying to fight our way into social circles to gain some kind of sense of identity and belonging, to gain some sense of value and worth and acceptance. And here's the good news of the gospel, that you don't have to jockey for that. Like, I want you to imagine a life that you went, that whatever environment you went into, imagine this with me. New church, church you've been in for years, a table group, a social, a social circle. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to, to make a proposal or presentation to a board. Um, what, 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 you're, you're joining a new sports team. You're moving to a new city. You're just getting married. You're meeting your in-laws. Whatever environment, I want you to imagine here for a moment what it would look like that every environment you walk into deep in the core of your being, you know that you're chosen. Here's the thing. You don't have to fight for favor. You don't have to fight for favor, right? You don't, you don't have to put your name out there on front. Like, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Know that sons and daughters are favored by God because they're favored by God. You're not favored because of anything you've done. You're favored because he is the one who's chosen to put favor on you and you don't have to fight for it. Guys, that's extremely liberating. And imagine the way it cleanses your conversations. Imagine the way it sanctifies your social interaction. Imagine how like just now when you interact with people, the motives are clean and they're pure because you don't need anything from anybody. And the reason why is because you have everything that you need in the fact that you've been chosen by the God of the ages. He's chosen you. He shows he wants you. He wants you on his team. Like growing up when I was, I was in these awkward, awkward stages, you know, from like second grade to, to eighth grade. And uh, I, I, was, I was always picked last for every sport. Soccer, football, baseball, basketball. We lived in small military communities. And it just seemed like everybody there was a sports phenom in every sport. It was so frustrating. I was uncoordinated. I was a little heavy. I was, un, I was not agile. And, uh, and I didn't have sports skill and acumen. So consequently, uh, I played poorly. And, and I, also, I also got chosen last all the time, right? 
And some of us feel like that. I think, you know, sports aside, I think we just feel like that in life. I think we feel like everyone's going to get promoted before us. Everyone's going to get celebrated before us. Everyone's going to get seen and recognized before us. Guys, listen to me. I want to say something to you that I think is a spiritual principle that I didn't catch until the end of last service. That revelation trumps experience. Revelation trumps experience. So maybe that was your experience. Maybe being rejected and uh, forgotten. Maybe, maybe everybody else gets invited to the movies and, and to the sports games and the parties and, and you never get a text message. Listen, that may be your experience, but your revelation can become your reality. Your revelation is your doorway into a new reality, regardless of what your previous experience has been. Because we live life from our identity. Most of us are just having life happen to us. Most of us are reacting to what is happening externally to us. But you were created to live into a reality from your identity that God is calling you into. And he's inviting you to help coordinate and create and orchestrate a new reality. He's saying, let's do this together. Are you hearing me today? Healing is available for your story that is going to catapult you into a new reality. Family dynamics, dysfunction, brokenness, years of divorce, abandonment, neglect, and abuse. Listen, that may have been your experience, but that is not the future of your story because your revelation opens a door to a new reality for you and for the rest of your generations. I need an amen on that. And then I, I need you to let this sink deep into your very spiritual being today because God is calling you by his spirit to more for your life, right? It's going to take work. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take consciousness. But here's the key. Holy Spirit, give me revelation. And as you give me revelation... Work with me to agree with the revelation you give me so we can be working together to design a new future for my life and for my children. Okay, so God is at work in you by his spirit to reveal to you that you're an adopted one. And I had this sense, I had this sense, you know, I've talked with family members who've adopted children particularly family members who've adopted children into a family that already had biological children. And what they revealed to me is that there's something that just is, it's, it has to be worked out over time. But there's something psychologically, emotionally, and maybe even spiritually that is operating within the heart and the mind of that adopted son or daughter that is constantly trying to tell them that you're really just adopted. Like, these, these guys are going to take care of you for a while, but they're really just doing it out of obligation, and you don't really sit on the same level as the biological son or the biological daughter, right? And I'm here, to, I'm, just, I'm here to reveal this to somebody, but some of us have been carrying that into our spiritual life. Now, you may have not even realized it consciously, but you've been living in such a way that, oh, I'm just the adopted kid, and everybody else, they're the favorite ones. 
and everybody else, they get the great opportunities, and everyone else, they get advancement, and everyone else, they got the spiritual life down, and everyone else, they've got this thing figured out, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep my head down, and I'm going to try to do right, and I'm going to hang out on the fringes, because really, I know, I'm, I'm just the adopted kid, I'm just lucky to be here, and I'm here to tell you today, that is a lie. That is not the truth of how God sees you. And the thing I need you to know today and the thing I want to announce to you by the Spirit of God to break through that is that no one starts off the Christian life at an advantage. Here's what I mean by this. No one has been given more resources in the Christian family than anybody else. And here's why I know this. Because everything that's been made available to us has been made available to all of us. Are you hearing that today? So you didn't step into the Christian family at a disadvantage. You stepped into the Christian family and immediately when you said yes to Christ, everything that is available to all of us was available to you. And if you see anybody who seems like they may be further along or they may, they, they, they may um, understand these things more deeply, a lot, of, a lot of that is determined by our own pursuit. It's determined by our own pursuit. It's determined by us saying yes. It's determined by our own hunger. It's determined by our own appetite. By saying, yes, God, if you're saying these things are available to me, I'm just saying to you, I want everything that's available to me, and I'm going to go after it by the grace of God. Are you hearing me today? All right, so I'm going to gloss over this next one for the sake of time. But uh, the second area where the Holy Spirit's available or at work in our adoption and our identity is very much this. It's our identity and our authority. Now, here's what I mean by that. When you hear the word authority, a lot of things are conjured up in our minds. And what I simply mean by authority is, based on the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God, you have been given by God legal access. That's what I mean by authority. Legal permission to approach God for everything that's available in God. Hebrews 4.16 says it like this. It says that we have now been given access to the... Look at this right here. So beautiful. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look at that first clause. Let us approach with confidence... You know why you can have confidence to approach the throne of God? Because you've been given the legal permission as a son or daughter to approach the throne of God. And notice there's no disqualifiers or there's no qualifiers in this. Like I need you to see this today. It doesn't say let us approach God's throne of grace if we've done a certain number of Hail Marys. Whatever, whatever your rendition of a Hail Mary may be. It doesn't say you can approach the throne of grace if, if, if you've gone a full eight hours without thinking about it. It doesn't say that. It says, let us approach the throne of grace by the fact that he is a God of grace and he is inviting you into his throne of grace because you are a son and a daughter of God. Okay, so lean into that. All right, here's the final point, Jonathan. You can come forward. Here's the part that I want us to, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to help us here. Because, because I think we really need help with this one. Some of us do. I've talked with people who've been following Jesus for 50 and 60 years. And, in, and, and just in beautiful vulnerability and honesty, they've said, Pastor Jade, I have a hard time with this one right here. And this is the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Watch this. To help you and me experience intimacy 
with God and the affection of God. For some of us, the, the notion of the Christian life has, has really been, you know, very, very, um, very clinical. Read the right things, understand the right things, say the right things, do the right things. I got the Christian life down. And the wild, passionate, furious, romantic love of God you've never experienced. Even those words might kind of like freak you out a little bit. The tenderness, the closeness, the softness. Guys, you can come forward. The gentleness of communion with God. I call this the affection of the Father. There is an affection in life with God, friends, that I, I, am, I am pleading with God. I feel, I feel like Paul where he says, I keep asking that the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. Here, here's, what I, here's what I sense in my being. I am pleading with God that New Life Midtown experience the affection of God. I want you to experience the affection of the tenderness of God in a way that you never have before. I want you to experience closeness. I want every invisible wall and barrier that is keeping you from experiencing the tenderness of God and the intimacy with God, I want you to experience that. There's a well-known theologian by the name of Stanley Grenz, and you can put that quote back up there, Lauren. I've never thought about this before, but Stanley Grenz says that, oh, (laughs) here you are. (laughs) It was that quote that you just had up there where it talks about the Holy Spirit inviting us into fellowship with Father, Son, and look at this. The Holy Spirit invites us into fellowship with the Father and the Son. There's another theologian that said it like this. It says the Holy Spirit is the personification, this is getting really deep, the personification of the union between Father and Son. Let me translate this. Let me translate this. There are moments when Christy and I are experiencing just closeness as a married couple, right? We'll hang out in our bed and we'll, we'll snuggle up. And then all of a sudden, like the, kid, the kids, just one by one, they just start piling into the bed, right? And then before you know it, like Christy and I are, you, you know, the kids just nestling right in the middle of us. And you know what's happening? They're experiencing the intimacy that is shared between husband and wife. They're they're like, oh my God, you guys are hanging out and they just go and they just, they just enter right into that intimacy. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take you and pull you onto the bed with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's hang out. Let's watch a movie together. Let's experience closeness. Let's experience tenderness. Let's experience communion together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are experiencing an intimate dynamic that has existed throughout all of eternity. And then the Holy Spirit says, come, come join us. Come join us. Come enter in to this intimate space that we have built and that we've established. We want you to be a part of this. Guys, that's available for you in God by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. When Christy and I first got married, I didn't say this in the first service, and I hesitated because sometimes we can get the wrong idea of this, and I don't want to share too much. But because of my own brokenness, I think this is for somebody today, because of my own brokenness, well within the first five years of our, my marriage, there was an unspoken, unreal, I, I wasn't conscious of what was happening. And I sure wasn't conscious of why. 
But well within the first five years of our marriage, there was a secret belief that I had bought into that Christy really didn't love me. And the problem with that, and it wasn't because of anything that she was or wasn't doing. The problem was within me. There was a belief system that I had bought into that that she didn't, in the core of her being, that she didn't love me. Now, in a marriage context, that's dangerous. And what it caused me to do is it caused me to question and overanalyze and overscrutinize and misinterpret every good thing that she had done towards me. I never received it. I always reasoned it away. Or you just did that because you had to. Or you just did that because you're just being a good person. Or you're just, like I never allowed her demonstrations and gestures of love to enter into the core of my being. And it wasn't until I began to understand sonship and the father's love. And here's why. Because you cannot receive the love of another human being if you've not learned how to receive the love of the Father himself, right? Essentially what it creates within us is this bottomless void. It's like a black hole. And you could have every human being on the planet do good to you, say good to you, cuddle with you, give you affectionate words, affectionate kisses. And unless this hole has been plugged up, right? You know, you pour water into a bathtub, And unless you plug that water up, it's just going to go down the drain. And you know what the plug is to to your like endless quest for meaning and identity and worth and wholeness? You know what? You know what the plug is? It's the revelation that comes by the spirit that the father loves you deeply and he chose you and you belong to his family. And there's an intimacy and affection that you will that will only satisfy you in God. And then once that, once that is set inside of you, now you can enjoy the intimacy and the affection and communion of others. And it's clean. It's clean. Like you don't find yourself like sucking things out of people, right? And we, we just do that inadvertently. And we do that out of our own brokenness and our own, our own hurt and our own longing. But I'm here, I'm here to tell you today, and listen, oh, here's the sad thing. We end up repelling people. We end up repelling people. Like we so desperately need to be heard, seen, wanted, and longed for that we end up actually creating a perpetual cycle of self-rejection because we push people away. Guys, I'm, 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 I'm in the spirit right now. And the word of the Lord for you is, is let the love of the Father revealed by the spirit put the stop inside of your heart so that you can contain all of the love that the Father has for you. Listen again, your revelation trumps your experience. Stand with me this morning, friends. I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit do something that only the Holy Spirit can do. And that is that he pour out upon you the spirit of adoption and the spirit of intimacy and the spirit of affection and that he pull you into the communion that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit. Will you just open your hands for me today? Oh God, Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm asking along with Paul, I keep asking, I keep asking, God, I keep asking that the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ would grant to my friends today the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know you better. 
so that they may know your heart, so that healing could come to the deepest parts of their lives, the deepest parts of family dysfunctions, the deepest parts of loss and brokenness and abandonment and neglect and abuse and rejection. Oh, Spirit of the living God, eternal God, come into the deep places of our being. Come into the holistic parts of us, body, soul, spirit, and heal us with the love of the Father. Bring revelation. Bring revelation, I pray, of our inherent, intrinsic, eternal worth and value. God, make it more than concepts. Make it more than quotable phrases. Make it reality. Oh, Spirit of God, I pray, pour affection out on us. Pour the affection of the Father out on us. Restore intimacy. Let it trans. Let it transform even our closest relationships. I just, I just, I just sense today that there's been a block. That some of you, you've been longing for this. You've been aching, and you're frustrated, and you've just felt like there's been an invisible wall between you and your husband, or between you and your father, between you and your wife or you and your daughter, or you and your friends. And you're like, I don't know what it is. I just feel like we're just on this level of superficiality. I don't know how to hug. I don't know how to receive it when someone tells me they love me. Someone tells me I did a great job, and I find out all these ways to excuse it. Friends, I'm here to, I just sense by the Spirit of God. There's that, that invisible wall he wants to tear down, and he wants to teach you how to receive love, how to trust it. And it's scary. It's freaking you out even right now. Before you start looking to receive from other human beings right now, I'm asking that there is a level of security that settles into the core of your very being that comes by revelation of the Spirit of God himself. And here's the charge. Do not let up until until you get it. Do not let up until you get it. Your life depends on it. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to do this for every single one of us. Help us believe. Help us receive. In Jesus' name. You're a good church. I want to invite you guys to come to the table this morning. Exit on your left. Come receive the body and the blood in the bread and the cup, and we'll all take it together.
problem when you start preaching on the Holy Spirit and you get in that vein, like stuff just keeps dropping. You guys are walking up here and I just sense the Lord say to somebody, you don't have to compete and you don't have to compare. Sons and daughters do not have to compete and you don't have to compare. You don't have to compete with anybody, no family member, even your biological siblings. Some of you felt like overshadowed. Listen, that's not from the Father. It's not from the Lord. Because when the spirit of sonship and adoption hits you, you can celebrate others and you can know that you will be celebrated in the unique way that God has made you. So let's receive the body and the cup together. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that bread. And he says, this is my body, it's broken for you. And the unspoken here is my body is broken so you can experience true wholeness in your body and in your soul and in your spirit. So I wanna pray for wholeness to come to you, church. Let us receive the body of Christ. One of the greatest attacks against your identity is sin. Because what sin does is it separates us from the love of the Father. And it reconfigures who God is. It gives the enemy an opportunity to redefine who Father is for us. But I'm here to announce to you today that guilt and shame, stop it, stop hiding from God, stop running. Because your sins are forgiven. They're clean, you're clean. The blood of Jesus is for you and he cleanses you. So let us receive today the blood of Christ. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us sing a song of gratitude to the Lord today. Praise God from Thank you, God. Blessings so grateful, Jesus. Praise Thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We agree today. Thank you, God. Friends, we've touched on some pretty intimate subjects today. And what I want to say to you is that these men and these women who are up here, they've been praying for you all week, and I trust them. We wouldn't bring people up here who are not safe. And their ministry today is to pray with you. Sometimes you need somebody just to stand with you, to grab your hand, to look you in the eye, to remind you of the truth, and to help you, to pray healing and grace upon you. And so what I want to encourage us to do is let's rebuild the culture of ministry one to another and avail yourselves to these brothers and these sisters, these mothers and these fathers. Many of them have been living with God for many, many years and their heart is to minister to you today. So would you lift up your hands? I wanna bless you as we're sent out into this beautiful Mother's Day. Friends, may the Lord bless you today. May the favor of the Lord be for you. And may you feel it, may you sense it, may you experience it. May the grace of God surround you. May the Lord lift up his bright, shining countenance on you. And this is what I prayed in first service. I pray that you catch God smiling at you this week. Sometimes I just watch my kids and they have no idea. And I'm lovingly, affectionately gazing at them. They, they just, they take my breath away. 
And I pray that this week that you, you sense the Father gazing at you. You feel that in the core of your being. And I pray that this week that the Holy Spirit just do another work of love and healing and maturity and affection within and upon your life. And I pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sure to love you guys. Have a great week.